legend hoe, I'm a night out, it's a different mode I'ma have to make a paint of six on a pinky toe Heard you with a shooting guard, just let it know I would have your court side, not the middle row Alright, back here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. All right, so keeping it moving here. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see how it plays out. But nah, that's one of those situations that'll be the talk, you know, going into spring ball and stuff for Texas. But I think that's would be, and then you know we'll break down later this week. We'll get into the Monday. We can break it down even Monday's show about the national championship game. But getting some response here uh, in regards to um, on Facebook on my Facebook, Gerald Glenn is checking in. It says the Longhorn secondary has been terrible all season. Um, yeah, Gerald, I mean, they've given up some big plays. I mean, that's part of, um, you know, I don't know if terrible is the word, but they've been definitely maybe the weak link on the defense. And that's the reason why I felt this was going to be a tough matchup for them because I knew what Washington brought to the table when it comes to their quarterback play and receiver wise. Um, also, um, what else we got here? Um, Matthew Rayner checking in, um, Let's see. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year to you, too, Matthew. Uh, Go Blue. You know, Matthew's a big Michigan uh, blue guy. Congratulations to you. Uh, You know, I've been talking uh, very highly of your Michigan Wolverines uh, all season long, even if it came at the expense of Mr. Nick Saban and the Tide. I think it's well-deserved. Let me just see. And there's another part because I I went back and forth with uh, I think his name is Rat Martinez. That could be short for something else. okay? but I know he had tagged me into something. uh, I think it was um, it was New Year's Eve or somewhere before. And I got a message. Everybody tags me in certain things, too, as well. I killed two birds with one stone. Uh, But let's talk about this. And I want to get into it and I can address uh, Rat Martinez here. Um, the Dallas Cowboys. Let's transition to the National Football League. Um, Dallas. Okay. They lose the game to the Dolphins right before we went on break, or after we shortly went off break that weekend. Another road game that came up short. Miami finally beat somebody of importance. Um, And then they played Detroit. Comes into jerry's world and we know the tale of the tape that dallas has been beating people over the head when they come to jerry's world well i knew this was going to be a competitive game even though i know detroit had already clinched their division already clinched the playoff spot won the division for the first time in 30 years which is amazing um hell of a job by dan campbell um so i knew they were going to not really because you know they're still trying to They've built their identity, but they're still trying to go through success. They're not used to being success. So thinking a team that's on this mission is going to sit there and let down because, oh, we got the division in the playoff, we relaxed. I knew that wasn't going to be the case, and it wasn't. Um, they go in and they lose to the Cowboys on a controversial play. Okay. Um, first of all, there's some – this is the way I look at this. Jared Goff – had a bad game. He really did. I mean, Jared Goff has had a bad, probably second half of the season. 
to be honest. If we're, if, we're, if we're truly being honest with ourselves and you're really watching these games like I have and following these different teams, Jared Goff has been pretty bad the second half season. So he had two turnovers uh, that didn't bow well, um, you know, sat that Saturday night. Um, so that kind of led into that as well. Um, and then you find a way to where they can kind of overcome that in the second half and they put themselves in position on a scoring drive to go ahead. Okay. Now, Troy Aikman's doing the game and he's leading up to this last drive, letting everybody know, like, I promise you, if they tie this game up, Dan Campbell's going for two, which I kind of felt that was going to be the case in general. Uh, so that happens. We've all seen it by now. And the controversy that ensues is that they have an offensive lineman uh, that didn't report, allegedly, and they call a play. And he's the guy that catches the touchdown. Now, everybody's thinking this game is over, okay? But there's laundry on the field because supposedly after huddling, the lead official basically says that there was an ineligible receiver, which is this lineman, that did not report, okay? Um, first off, like I said in the opening of the show, okay, um, Brad Allen is his name, which was the head official, head crew. Uh, Brad Allen's been in the NFL a long time, refereeing a long time. Um, he's the guy that's – it's his crew, and he's the guy that's center of the controversy because you have three different offensive linemen go up to him. And, you know, in the day and age of social media and everything, there's some brutal films all over the place. It'll go – even before they can go to the press conference, people are going to find the film and the audio say, no, listen, this is what – look, man, you can be – have silver and blue goggles on you can be a diehard Dallas fan and they blew the call they blew it and I've been sitting here going back and forth with Jonas back and forth and not just Jonas other people and this is going to lead my 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 take to uh, Mr. Rat Martinez um, about the officiating you know I feel personally that uh, who I still blame and, and let's set this play aside for a minute. But who I really put the blame on for this quote-unquote inconsistency or this bad officiating that a lot of people feel that the NFL has had this year, I put it on the head of the NFL in the front office. Of the amount of rule changes, the stuff that they put through their referees day, year in and year out. I'll also put on it to the fact of it is, is that, and I'll stand by this as well too, they let referees – Hang on too long. It's it's a fast game. It's a young man's game all the way around. Now, that's a double-edged sword because you like refs that say they've got 18 years, 20 years of officiating because you know that they know the rules in and out like the back of their hand. So it's a thin line with that. But let me address this, too. There's there's I take things by case-by-case basis. What happened on Saturday night with that particular play is a lot different than me. That's a lot different. That's apples and oranges, in my opinion, when we talk about a PTI call, a pass interference call. When we talk about a controversial of, you know, if we're talking about the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs game and Patrick Mahomes receiver gets mugged and the refs miss. These are two different things. And let me explain to you why I say they're two different, because a lot of fans and even a lot of media members do not know the NFL rule book. 
uh, to the depths of it, all the rules, me included. There's a lot of people that don't know about the eligible, ineligible receive check-in and all that, that cover the game, that commentate on the game, that do sports talk radio, com- that don't know that, okay? But it is up to a referee, as long as he's been in the NFL, to understand, to know that, because I think, who was it that I think? I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think it might have been Phil Sims. Or I don't know who it was, but they broke it. Like the the blunder was this ref. Okay, let me make sure I just keep it because it's uh, Brad Allen, who was also the one in the Packers Chiefs game. His crew, yeah, I think I did hear that. Um, it is up to what he did is he assumed when you look at the video, he assumed that because that lineman had checked in before in the game, he assumed it was the same one and not realizing that whoever told him his back was turning, he's looking at them and he's wherever it was in his side view or he didn't know he assumed. And that's really where the mistake was made. Cause I do believe that this lineman pretty much went ahead and checked in with them and told him I'm eligible. That right there is unexcusable. That right there is when what you've been talking about, Jonas, all year, where maybe you need a control command center that's checking in and say, wait a minute, hold on. You know, we see this and this. Didn't you didn't you just see that to see that video? That's 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 totally to me where I won't defend, you know, a pass interference call, lining up sides, a holding. Those are the human elements of the game that's going to be here until we're dead and gone that I have no problem with. Because you're going to be on the wrong side of them and you're going to be on the right side of them as well, sometimes as well, too. Okay, Um, that's one thing. But make no mistake about it. That game was supposed to be over and it was supposed to be a loss. Dallas's first loss at home. Now, with that said, let's talk about Dan Campbell and let's talk about the play. First of all, I think I've heard of this before, but it's really been brought to the light because of this controversial call. That you actually have, and I don't know how I feel about this, but you actually have coaches that go to rest pregame and say, hey, man, this is what we're going to, we, we got this play we're going to run. We got this trickery, and this is how it really gets going, so you'll know what's going on. I, that's been going on, and I don't even know, and I haven't really known that. I think I've heard about it, but I don't even know how I feel about that. Because that's one of those, like, man, are you really going to, because think about that. Like, First of all, that tells a lot of things to me. That tells me, for one, like, damn, how thick is the NFL rule book? And does everybody know? Because that's how many you don't hear anything about the NBA saying like, hey, man, you know, uh, Steve Kerr, Coach Pop had talked to the rest before. Say, when I call a timeout, if I call a timeout, one of these plays I'm going to do, they don't have to do that. They don't have to do that. So to me, I have a little problem of that as well, too. Uh, But also, um, this is one of those situations to where. That right there is unexcusable. Now, and to Dan Quinn, not Dan Quinn, but excuse me, Dan Campbell, make no mistake about it. And this is why, you know, uh, I had my aunt. Like, she lives in D.C. You know, that's my mom's sister, lifelong Dallas fan. I mean, she's part of the main reason why I grew up hating Dallas, just because having to deal with her and then getting me Dallas attire come Christmas time, like I was going to wear that crap. Like, come on, man. My mom was like, hey, no, man, what the hell? She texts me earlier, oh, well, you know, this is the, this is three or four days, and I'm not seeing, I ain't just calling my aunt out. I see a lot of Dallas fans going back and getting clips of bad calls missed on them. I've had people text me two or three days later, well, what do you think about the t-? No, you know why? Because y'all feel dirty. Because you really feel you lost that game, and you're trying to justify, like, man, did we get away one? Yes, you did. 
Now, the problem I got with Dan Campbell is two things. One, the, the let's be real. Three linemen are in that area to go over to the ref to confuse the Dallas Cowboys on really who's reporting eligible. So there's a gamership in there. And Gene Sarazor, the guy that comes on, he said he has no problem with it. He said that's good gamemanship. So let's just say that for one. So you run a risk in that kind of play. You can go back a few years ago, playoff game with the Baltimore Ravens in New England, and Harbaugh just lost as you know what because Bill Belichick, the only one that's a nerd in football that knows all the rules, this whole disguise of what was a big controversy thing. I have no problem with the gamemanship. The problem I have with Dan Campbell, and this goes with the offensive coordinator, because it was on display through that game, and that's the reason why I think Detroit, they're heading in the right direction. I just don't know if it's they're quite there yet. And this new their, their offensive coordinator is going to be the D'Amico Ryans of this year when Black Monday comes. He's going to be the guy that everybody's going to go ahead and try to go after and get. The problem I have with him so far <clears throat> He's a little bit too aggressive to me in general through the whole course of a play call of a game. That's number one. I mean, I think they lead it the league on how many times they go for it on fourth down. They did a punt, a fake punt, which is not his call. That's special teams in the course of that game. The problem I have with him and Dan Campbell is after the fact that you execute this play to the T, the way you practice it, the way the linemen, y'all three go over there, you report. When you get this called back, and then there's a holding call. You get this call back, kick the extra point, and play for overtime. Dan let emotions get involved. It, it, it was one of those. It's, it's no different on the fourth down call that he did earlier. It's like we didn't come this far just to go and kick a field goal. It was one of those that, fine, you want to be aggressive. He's, he's still a young coach. Even though he's in his third year, he's still a young guy that's trying to get his skins on the wall as a head coach. And he let his emotions get involved to where he went and said, screw it. We're going to go for it. No, that's, that's messing with the NFL gods and karma. Kick the extra point, okay, and then therefore you go. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty. If they don't have the division wrapped up or they don't have a playoff spot already clinched, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe he does kick the extra point and we not even have the controversy because he just ties the game up in general and we play it in overtime. But as soon as that call was blown and emotions were out the window, go kick the extra point. You force-fed it. You force-fed it. That's the only, con that's the only you know, kind of criticism I have on Dan Campbell. In regards to the question I get on Facebook from Rat Martinez, bringing it back to Rat Martinez, he says, Cal... Well, I'm, I'm going to say two things. He says, Cal, I'm just sick of the NFL. You talk about highway robbery and those teams accepting victory, knowing it was handed to them. And the other one says, Cal, do you think Jerry Jones has a lot to do with offic officials making those calls? Now, this is the same guy. And I know Rat has listened to the show for a long time, so I'm not trying to throw him on the bus. But this is the same guy that tags me on New Year's Eve with this guy that makes some video in his basement the next day over showing basically the film and and have this conspiracy that the NFL is rigged. Let me tell you, you NFL rigged people, I have no time for y'all. Don't tag me anything. Don't 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 comment on Facebook with it. Y'all hold this NFL is rigged. Y'all don't exist to me. It's stupid. And, and the reason why I don't exist, because I knew people like you were coming. Once sports gambling got involved and once basically it became mainstream and the way that Vegas has these lines. So whether it's a total, whether it's a spread, like, damn, how did it get it that close? It must be fixed. It must be real. What do you mean? Does Jerry Jones have control of how the refs are called? What do you think he's doing? And what I mean, <clears throat> no. 
No, it's 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 not rigged. It's called the human element. And like I told him, this guy that you want to share a video with, what? Because he got his he had Detroit money line and he lost. Is that the reason why y'all think it's rigged? It's stupid. So just the PSA, sports crime PSA, don't tag me with that nonsense. I have no time for that guy. I don't want to hear it. It's dumb. It's it the, the thing to sit there, oh, this is fixed. This is what it, and no, this isn't the WWE. This isn't like that. This is a this is a game that is hard to officiate. It's fast, and the refs are under more scrutiny than ever because there's more cameras than ever, and there are more talking heads and more platforms and social media. The reason why this is getting blown out of proportion. They messed up. That was a bad call. So I, you know, I don't know if it's true, but it's being reported that his crew has been demoted or could be demoted and eliminated from playoff content, uh, playoff rotation. Which I don't have no problem with it if that's the case. And I have no problem with basically holding the officials accountable too. And also, what do you mean? How do they accept the the the, the game if they know they really lost? What do you want them to do, Rat? Say, oh man, I'm sorry, man. What do you want Mike McCarthy to do? Like, you know what? We really lost that game. We need to learn the lesson, man. Y'all go ahead and take a win. What do y'all like? Where, where did some of you sports fans come from, man? Like, like, where did y'all come from? That's all I'm gonna say. Go, go, be conspiracy theory grassy knoll somewhere else until telling me, oh, is it because it's rigged because of that? Like, okay, all right, all right, it's rigged and Dallas is quote unquote America's team, but they ain't won a damn Super Bowl or damn near an NFC Championship game and damn near over almost thirty years. You listen to the sports grind. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spin the one and twos. 
Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pillin Whiskey. Pillin Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada. Using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pillin Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. And keep in mind, Pillin Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and the official whiskey of the professional riding tour which is the pbr velocity tour and it's official whiskey of the sports grind and official sponsor of the sports grind 877-37-GRIND all right so um so yeah so it's one of those situations that uh you know it's unfortunate uh but you know like i said there but those are the type of mistakes that you can't make you know, a missed pass interference or holding. I've been dealing with that since I've been watching football, like at the age of seven. That's just where it's at. I mean, you know, maybe this year it's just more heightening. Maybe they have had a down year. But that particular call like that, that that can't happen. That's just not being technical about a rule or assuming something. And it, it, it caused blew up in more controversy than not. 877-37-GRIND. All right, so moving on uh, to the other news of the weekend and the week that broke while we're off. In regards to the Denver Broncos um, making a decision um, to, well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. Um, They lost at home to the Patriots in a game that I felt um, it was just a weird game. Um, I think out of the first time in a long time, uh, probably since the Miami game where they got thrashed, it was a game that they just didn't look like they were ready to play. Um, and a game that they kind of thought that, oh, well, this is New England. This ain't your father's New England Patriots. So your brother's New England Patriots. This team just sucks. And figured that they were just going to basically get the victory because they were home. So that was disappointing. And I knew once they lost that, I'm like, well, you know what? There's going to be a lot of help, probably bare minimum, that those playoff hopes are, you know, pretty much dashed. Which, to me, I've been consistent. I've told you, you know, yes, I've I've already made up my mind that I know that they're heading in the direction. The playoffs, it is what it is. My whole big, my whole big thing this year is one, one of them young studs coming out. Um, so fast forward to... The Chargers game, okay, at home. The story that came out a few days before that game was that um, Denver had made a decision to bench Russell Wilson uh, for that game and the last game of the season due to language in his contract, okay, about injury. And the amount of money of $37 million that they would have to owe on top of what they already guaranteed him next year if he get hurt and couldn't pass a physical. Um, first of all, this particular program, this this story, we've been talking about this um, throughout the whole season. Even a little oh. bit last year. Hey, even last year. I, I, I The reason why I know, and you can go check the podcast because I said, hey, you know what? This is going this could potentially be the Derek Carr situation all over again. Okay. Um, during the five game winning streak, when they were running off five in a row, I came in here and said, that decision in March is still going to be a decision about Russell Wilson. I also came in here and told you during the five game winning streak in regard to priority of who gets credit and what credit level. And I've had Russ at third for different reasons behind Vance Joseph 
and number one a Sean Payton. Uh, before I get into the big landscape of what this means and where I really feel about it um, and whether how it was handled, or how it went down, it's the reaction that surprises me from some. And I'm not going to say all, but from some of the local media of Denver and then also the fan base of Denver and really the and not just so the fan base of Denver, but the football NFL fan in general. Just and, and it goes with where we're at with society, man. And I know I blame everything on social media, but it's 70 percent of the problems that bring out just people that are naturally born. Like I've always said, you we have a lot more followers in this country than really natural born leaders. Everybody wants to if it's a narrative about anything, it doesn't have to necessarily be sports. It could just be politics, life, anything. And the masses are going to go with what the masses feel that's right or wrong. So this is a prime example of where we're at in the society. The thing that confused me is the outrage and the whole, well, Russ is so done so wrong. How could this be when last year in a calendar year, this is the same guy that majority of these people were saying was one of the most cringiest guys on earth. It was a horrible, dumb trade. He was done. This is dumb. This is stupid. This is a guy that wanted to know how dare he ask for his own parking space, his own office. All these things in less than a calendar year, there's a decision that comes out to bitch him and make no mistake about it. Russ's people are the ones who who leaked this going on since the bye week. Because it's also a PR ballot and you get the NFL PA involved. But to me, I'm astonishing and blown back the fact that that's the reaction from everybody. Okay. Where Derek Carr got the same thing done to him. And this is a guy that was drafted by the Raiders who bleeds silver and black for the Raiders, who just basically rallied them a year before to get into the playoffs with a intern coach. And a coach that made a decision that doesn't have a fraction of resume as the coach who made the decision to do this got no venom from it. Nobody's talking about, look, and another example I'm going to even throw out to you more go recently. We can talk about right now. Nobody's talking about the, 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 the DNP that Von Miller got for the Buffalo bills heading into that game. And they specifically said it had nothing to do with what was going off the field cases. Oh, go look at Von Miller's language and his big contract that he got. There's a good chance Von Miller ain't playing the rest of this season for Buffalo because of that money in that contract. Nobody's saying a peep of it. But the, but the main thing is I am totally flabbergasted and taken back that how many people ran to Russ to fit the sin. Oh, this is so bad. First of all, I got a lot of respect for Russell Wilson. I had his back last year. I had his back starting this year. But the reality of it is also I know evidence and things change. And I've also said that, hey, you know what? I, unlike majority of the Denver Broncos media, Denver Broncos fans really watched Sean Payton's career at New Orleans. So I know what I've been watching through this five-game winning streak, all the 2023, the beginning of the season, this ain't even the Jameis Winston's offense. This ain't even um, Teddy Bridgewater offense, let alone Drew Brees. He has had to mold a system 
to fit Russ, to make him look respectable, to try to give them the opportunity to win ball games. Russell Wilson can go travel in 2024. He can go with Sierra on tour if he wants to. He can sit in, in his house, which is the biggest estate in Colorado that they just purchased last season, and not have to take one snap, and he's going to get paid $39 million. Why are we feeling sorry for Russell Wilson? That's number one, if we want to put everything in the, in the grand scheme of things. Number two, it's amazing to me that this went on, that this has been going on since the bye week after the Kansas City victory. That's number one. And the fact that they were able to win some games and be competitive and stay respectable while this was going on behind closed doors. My hat is off to Russell Wilson and credit to Russell Wilson for being consistent. Because the one thing you can say about Russell Wilson, whether you hate him, whether you think he's cringy, whether you think he's overrated, whether you think that he really sucked, it was just a defense in Seattle, whatever the case, whatever side of the fence you fall on, the one thing you can't say about him, that man is consistent. Through good times and bad times. He was a professional. His agent leaked this out this week. They could have leaked this out at the bye week, but they kept it in-house. Okay. Also with Russell Wilson, I don't blame him for not changing it or changing that language. Why would you? We in, in real life, you always negotiate what you can, what you think you're worth or to whatever prof profession you are in. I don't care if you're sitting in the HR department and they're about to hire and you say, well, on your resume, you say you're looking for this much or whatever. You've been in that. You, everybody's been in that seat before. You try to ask for what you think you need or what you're worth and what you agreed to is you want that to be completed. If it's a contract, I have no I have no problem with Russell Wilson not giving any shit enough. Now, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there for people that know the guy that represents Russell Wilson. He has one age. He has one client in the National Football League. And it's Russell Wilson. And you say, well, why is that important, Calvin? Because when you when you have that, you're putting it all in in regards to that one client on the type of deal you're getting them. And when you negotiate those type of contracts, you really don't need a big roster when you're talking about landing somebody that's like Russell Wilson and the type of money that he's talking about getting. The language, because I've, you know, I've known that we've talked about the draft picks Denver giving up. We talked about the amount of money they've given. We done the one thing that I had no idea was about really how intensive that injury kicker clause was. To me, that's a fireable offense as itself on George Payton, just that, which I'll get to him shortly. But the one thing I wanted to attack first on this was just a fake, I call it fake outrage. And compassion and sympathy for Russell Wilson. Because those same people, a less than a calendar year was, oh, let's ride. Oh, let's this and this and this. And now y'all run into a defense of something. That, and also, the other thing about it is, let's talk about the guy who made the decision. And Sean Payton. The only thing that I would ask, the only thing I would ask Sean or, or, or basically look at this is that, and this shows that Sean really wants to win. And that's what he keeps telling this local media down there and the fans and people down there. But y'all ain't used to it. And I'll get to y'all in a minute. But the reality of it is, is that my question would be, well, damn, if, if they went to him after the bye week in Kansas City and they still did that, for one, it tells me a lot. People in that building still didn't know 
or really anticipate this team about to go on who winning streak like they did and how, how much this was going to be being only shortly removed from the 70 points they gave up against Miami. But my question is to Sean is, why not then? Why not then? But I started thinking, can you imagine the, the blowback that Sean's getting now? Can you imagine what the blowback would have been if he would have done this in the bye week? If he would have benched him and said that it was for performance reasons, but it partially has to do with the financial part of this, too. We all know that. But Sean can't sit up there and say that because you got the NFL PA involved. And the NFL PA, and for all y'all waiting, like I'm like, okay, if Denver, if Denver gets fined for this, if anything comes out of this, this would be the first. Because half the time, the NFL PA, they blow smoke, they go out and release a statement or whatever, and nothing happens. And maybe this is the reason why, as a tactic, Denver decided to do this because they know nine times out of ten, you, there's no. If we say it's performance, they've lost three out of the last four games. What are you really going to do, regardless if the perception out there is that this is really more financial than anything? That's one. But my question, can you imagine what the, because the way I look at it, Sean was fair. He did this in week 17. Not in week 14, not in 13, not in 12. He did it in week 17. Where I feel like if this was going to be the discussion, if this is really what's going on, it's like, hey, I've seen enough. I would have been down for them to do this in the bye week. Because it's always about the name on the front of the jersey, not the back. Now, is it dirty? Of course it's dirty. Is it, is, it, is it operating in good faith? No, it isn't. But like Michael Strahan said on the Fox pregame show, uh, hello, people, this is the business side of the NFL that really happens. It takes place. It can be dirty. It can be nasty. <clears throat> so it's not a shock to me because it's the same thing Derek Carr went through. Nobody had an, it was no national outrage for Derek Carr. And he was drafted by the team. There's no outrage yet over Von Miller. And that's a playoff team. That's a team that's playing for the division title on Sunday, and they, they DNP. And no, it has nothing to do about the alleged domestic violence situation. He's got language in his contract, too. That ain't came out that yet, though. This ain't going to be the first. It ain't going to be the last. And also, I feel that it is still possibly a negotiation tool. That the, that the Denver Broncos, a.k.a., because this ain't George Payton's decision, Yes, Sean ran it by Greg Penner. This is a Sean Payton decision. I feel it's one of those that like, look, Sean wants every opportunity to squeeze the last lemon and juice he can out of Russell Wilson. And that's even entertaining, possibly bringing him back for 2024. But it can't be at what's on that paper. And it can't be for that dollar amount. And it can't be with that kind of language. That's all it is. But I don't fault Russell Wilson for not changing it because he shouldn't have. And I don't fault Sean Payton for doing what he has to do because this is what he was brought in to do. Not just to fix Russell Wilson, but to fix the Denver Broncos. The writing was potentially on the wall. I knew at some point this season, if it continued on the trajectory that it was prior to the winning streak, we were going to see steady, as Sean calls him, at some point on the field. Sean didn't do that deal. He didn't advise George to do that deal. And let me tell you where George Payton falls into this. Um, I think George Payton is a guy that can scout talent pretty good, very good. He has a track record in Minnesota. His last few drafts with Denver has been pretty decent, pretty good. 
The one thing I question, George, probably is the GM title, is the GM practice. The, the fact, because what this sounds like to me, knowing this language in this contract, whatever, and we've all been there, maybe some not, most of us have, is when you get into desperate situations in life, especially if it's desperate financial situations. That's why they tell you never to make decisions when you're big time decisions, especially financial decisions, when you're desperate or when you're upset. And this situation to give Russell Wilson this kind of language in the con not the fact that you gave up two first rounds or lock, you know, Shelby. Not, no, that's not the problem. The problem is, is the fact that this type of contract and language that you give into him, that was out of desperation. And when you say, well, what are you talking about the desperation, Calvin? I don't know. Thinking that you're the smartest person in the room and lying to everybody, which he duped me. I already said he duped me saying that. No, nah, man, Aaron Rodgers wasn't our first, first go. No, we hired Hackett because, you know, Russell's really the guy. No. You hired Hackett and Aaron Rodgers got cold feet in the 24th hour and you ran and you basically pulled down your pants for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And really, Russell, I won't even say Seattle, Russell and his agent. <clears throat> the only way George Payton survives this is if Sean likes working with them. And I've heard that they've had a pretty decent work relationship. But right now, all George is doing is pretty much getting Sean coffee and running errands. If he if if he can if he's okay with that, he can survive. The other one thing I'm going to tell you, it depends on the Pinter group says, "Look, man, we're paying you this, okay? We're going to eat this and pay this dude thirty nine million dollars. So that means Russ could go sign for a million to two million dollars somewhere and play, and he's still going to make the money he would if, if Denver keeps him on the roster. He's still going to clear forty million next year minimum wherever he plays. Before we throw this Russell Wilson pity party." He's still getting 40 next year, no matter what uniform he has on. The Pinner group could say, I don't want to eat and pay another contract of a GM. Can you at least work with him, Sean? Because it's obvious. And I told y'all this from day one. Sean is still in L.A. working for Fox if he had to keep and inherit Russell Wilson and he was forced to keep him until this contract was complete. He would still be working at Fox. Now, with that out the way, when we get back before we move on from this, I want to address the hypocritical, not all, but a majority of hypocritical fan based in Denver, Colorado, and some of their media when they have covered this story and the criticism that has been thrown towards Sean Payton's way. Also, the Ravens, like I said, Lamar Jackson has pretty much stamped his approval on the MVP. But when we get back, I want to talk about another AFC team that I believe that I've seen enough on that's on the horizon that even Baltimore has to have their eyes on. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. 
Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.